0: Um, how will you like that this church has Sunday school? So we don't have to sit in the service. <laughs> and uh my favorite part is hanging out with friends and doing verses with them and practicing uh,
1: about the Bible. And my favorite part is like learning about verses and learning about God. Same thing. Same thing. Good morning. When uh, Heather asked me to share about what's uh, children's ministry in my life, uh, I, I was surprised this week as I reviewed uh, and, and, re- and reflected on the past. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sorry. Um, this church is amazing uh, at what they do. And when I look back at the the friendships that I fostered, I think some of those friendships, my best friends to this day, I don't think it would happen without children's ministry here. Um, And so uh, that uh, I think alone, it's formed me in my faith journey. um, And having those friends in my life now as an adult is is huge. and now, as an adult with my own family, I, uh, I can look back and I can look at, at these leaders that spent, sorry, uh, they spent countless hours. Um, well, they had a family at home of their own um, that they took time away from their family to pour into my life. And so my encouragement to you guys is, is uh, despite the chaos at home, uh, as as Kyle Beckert always called it, the witching hour or the suicide hour at home, uh, it's real. Um, that despite that, if you can spend some time and and uh, and just 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 the time, uh, I think a lot of people are 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 scared that they don't have the skills. Um, that they don't have the ability to, to disciple and pour into people's lives. And, uh, and, and as children and as youth, uh, they just need your time. Uh, they need someone who they can recognize uh, that, uh, sorry, <laughs> that when times are tough in life, they know they can phone someone. Um, and so thank you to, to those people in my life. Um, some of them are here today that. Uh, yeah, that, that your, your, your impact is real, and it will go on into my life, and, and I want to do that for the next generation. Um, and so, yeah, so thank you. Thank you to this church family.
0: Um, some of my favorite things of Sunday school is when we'd be all in a group, especially in the older classes, and we'd read um, a passage from the Bible and each taking turn reading a few verses. And also when uh, we would just, uh, we would learn like certain little details of Bible stories that we already knew, which was like always really cool to find out more about stories that you had already learned before. And one of my favorite things was being in my grandma's Sunday school class um, doing Bible Jeopardy It was one of my favorite things. Well, I don't know how to follow that because that was all wonderful. <laughs> so thankful. Um, so I grew up in this church. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Gwen Pauls. And uh, I remember many of my Sunday school teachers. I remember having my mum in um, probably what was what is now our little kids over there, the one-and-a-half to three-year-olds. And uh, she taught there for a while. <clears throat> I remember Olga Stushinoff who, uh, at the next age, made paper bag uh, puppets and told every Bible story with a different paper bag puppet. Um, And we loved it. We loved it. I remember that very vividly. We were downstairs, I think, in the old, old church. Um, I remember Mary Popoff, who was an older spinster lady, who taught us in, I don't know, it was maybe grade five. And uh, she told us a lot of Bible stories and started us learning Bible verses. Um, I remember very clearly doing that in her class. Then I had Eleanor Martins, who um, always encouraged us to learn Bible verses and to try to memorize them. And I was lousy at memorizing Bible verses, I still am. I can do it in song, but learning them um, otherwise is hard for me. But Eleanor um, kept on us to try to do that so that we had them, and I'm really thankful for those years. I remember grade, um, I believe it was 6, 7, or 8. Uh, we had uh, Frank Buchert as a Sunday school teacher, and um, he taught us a lot of things about what, what we wanted to go forward in our life with, and did we want Jesus as part of it? And when we looked at uh, future boyfriends or girlfriends, we should really think about, was Jesus a part of their life? Um, because really it was going to make it really hard on us uh, to live fully for Christ without a partner that did not feel the same way. And I remembered that all the way through... Um, it was very much imprinted on my heart, and I probably because he was vulnerable enough to tell us that when he got married, he was not a Christian, but his wife was, and she had took the chance, and he said it took him a long time um, to follow Christ, to decide that that's what he wanted to do, and it was very hard for her and very hard for them in their marriage, and so I think because I had a teacher that was willing to be vulnerable and share from their own experiences, it meant a lot to me. Um, After that, I had my to-be future father-in-law, he taught us in youth, Um, he also was our volunteer youth um, pastor, I guess, at that time, and uh, so I remember learning a lot from him as well. But really, when I look back, one of the things that I know I learned from each one of them was that they loved me and they loved Jesus. And their desire was for us to learn more about God and to follow Him. Um, And I think that was super clear to me. Um, And so I'm super thankful um, for every one of those people who, like Devin said, had a big impact in our lives. I started teaching Sunday school to the little, little ones uh, when I was 16, Krishman and I, um, because there was no teacher there for those little guys, and we had about 12 very rambunctious little guys and girls. And I remember we had about three there in that classroom that did not have parents that knew Jesus. And so, like, I was super young, I don't know how much I really, but I, I remember telling um, a Bible story about how much Jesus loved him. And this little guy who um, did not have parents that knew Christ came and sat on my knee and said, Is this real? Does Jesus really love me? And he was like, Two, two. And I said, Yes, yes, it is. Jesus does really love you. Um, so, yeah, as Sunday school teachers, there's times when, you know, we might not want to give those kids a hug we'd rather do something else (laughs) but there is so many times when there is just that moment that you know that they're looking to you to know more about Christ and they just want to know that they're loved and that's why we're there I didn't have any skills when I started to I still feel very inadequate sometimes teaching kids but we have to let God help us and we just need to love those kids and to let them know that Jesus loves them. And so that's what we're here about, and that's what we want to do as a church. And so I thank you for those of you who have children that entrust them to us. And I thank you for all the kids in this church. You're so very important to us. and You're so very important to me. And uh, we just want to love you.
2: That's great. And everything, um, well, everything I'm going I'm to share just briefly uh, ties in so well uh, with everything you've just heard uh, fr- from everyone here. And, uh, and this is great. Uh, Lord, we thank you so much uh, for uh, family beyond family, for this family that you create through Jesus Christ. Uh, and that um, we don't have to walk through life alone as, as families uh, in our own little houses, doing our own little thing, we can be part of something much bigger. And that bigger thing is you and, and your kingdom. And so Lord, uh, thank you so much for how you have used uh, various ministries throughout the years here at Gospel Chapel to bring people to Jesus, to include them in the family, and then Lord, to see them grow and thrive um, as well as followers of Jesus. So Lord, uh, continue to do your good work uh, for that which you have started you will complete and we thank you for that in Jesus name amen um, we're going to look briefly at 1st Peter chapter 4 verses 7 to 11 today so if you want to turn there uh, in your Bibles we'll be just looking at that little bit uh, and just kind of by way of so you got a heads up for the next few weeks Um, Next week, we have Ricky and Karen Sanchez visiting with us, and so they're going to be sharing in the morning service, and I've kind of given them a fairly open uh, time frame there. And so um, they have just transitioned from being with Multiply, with MB Mission, uh, because now the Thailand Church is its own um, conference in its own right. It's gone from being a church-planting mission thing to kind of like we are here now in in Canada, and this is a great thing, Uh, but Rick and Karen really still feel called to the missions end of things, so they're transitioning to work with YWAM. Uh, So they're going to be sharing with us about that. And then on the 25th, we get another special couple that's been part of this church for a long time, uh, Bruce and Karen Penner. And they're going to be sharing with us on that day how God has led them because they will be leaving in October and moving to Mexico where Bruce is going to be the lead, lead pastor of a church down there. And so really quite a, quite a, they even said, it's kind of a shocking uh, retirement plan for us, but here we go. And God has been leading that. And so uh, they're going to be sharing with us uh, the journey that they've been on, how that all came about, and how we can best pray for them. So that's the next few weeks. Wow. So back in June, we presented uh, kind of the final, where we're heading for the next five years. And uh, I want to just get this up on, uh, up on the screen. Our vision over the next five years, Gospel Chapel will intentionally slow down to make room for people to grow in unscripted community, enjoying God in everyday life in the practice of Sabbath. We will pursue spiritual formation that results in God-centered living, heart-level faith, and relational authenticity with God and others. Now that doesn't happen all at once and it's never really finished and we're not really trying to create a checklist of things that we can do or programs to run so that this can happen because it's much bigger than a program. We want to take what's best about our church family and help it grow and develop and flourish and to that end I want to look at this short passage from 1 Peter today because I think he has something to say to us here. 1 Peter 4, verse 7 to 11. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength God provides. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Every so often, and it seems more often than not these days, the world around us seems to have reached a new low and a new level of chaos. And we wonder if things could actually get worse, and we say, oh, Lord, how long are you going to let this happen? How long until you return? And Peter is speaking to a group of churches who are experiencing that same kind of thing. This is like 2,000 years ago, so it's nothing new. The Roman Empire is beginning to oppress the Christian community more and more. It's not full on yet, but it's coming. So with the hope of Jesus returning and the presence of opposition, tension, and stresses from outside and inside the church, what is the central task of those who have chosen to follow Jesus? How are we to live in a world that is increasingly hostile to the faith? Peter gives us some help here. First of all, don't freak out. (laughs) Be sober-minded and alert. Have a clear head. Keep calm. That's kind of what those words mean. For the sake of your prayers. So we are first called to pray. Peter's telling the church that our response to the situations around us needs to push us to prayer, to intercede, to seek God, to engage with God, to be in conversation with God, and to pursue his purposes. And so our first call out of this passage is to be people of prayer calm and clear-headed? Are we being drawn to an intimate, passionate prayer life for the pain and the trauma of the world? Our first response should be intercession, not anger, but broken hearts. Broken hearts, not pointing fingers. Be calm, be clear-headed, and pray. Second thing he says, above all, And and circle that. He's basically saying, this is the most important thing I've got for you right now. That's what we heard through all these testimonies. Love one another earnestly. Love one another. Keep on loving one another. It's an ongoing thing. Above all, this is the key thing. It's the most important. 1 Corinthians 13. The greatest of these is love. Get this one thing, and everything else flows from it. Everything else is empowered by it. Everything is motivated through it. Love. What's the enemy of love? Some would say hate, but I think it's actually indifference and apathy. It's the, I don't really care. The rest of the world can burn. I'm good. That's probably the most unloving thing we can be. Love. Why does he say love? Because love covers a multitude of sins. Remember uh, Ephesians chapter four, two, says, "Love one another deeply. Bear with one another. Put up with one another. Endure one another." He's talking to the church. He's not talking to like you and what's going on outside the walls, but just within the church. Put up with one another, because you know, here we are. We know that there's all sorts of differences. We're gonna get on one another's nerves. A family free of conflict is suspicious. (laughs) If everything's all good, then there's probably something up. But what is this love he calls us to? It's agape, agape love. There was a number of Greek words for love in the first century, and this was one that didn't get used a lot until the New Testament was written because it was, like, too much. Eros love was celebrated. Oops, just go have sex. Fly at her. That's our culture. Phileo love, yeah, love one another like brothers, that's great. Be, be family, like, be tight. But, But Jesus over and over, and the New Testament constantly uses this word agape love, and basically this kind of love says, I lay aside my agenda for the good of yours. It is a cross-shaped love. It is a love that says, I will die for your salvation. Greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. In this, God showed his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. As, I, as the Father has loved me, Jesus said, I have loved you, my disciples, therefore love one another. In the same way that I have loved you, love one another. So we have a model for the kind of love that we are called to, and it's the love of Christ. Christ. It's a cross-shaped love. Keep on pursuing the good and the blessing of others regardless of your own agenda. It's a cross-shaped love. Keep pursuing that. So first of all, don't freak out. Keep calm. Pray. Second, love each other earnestly and deeply because love covers a multitude of sins because we're all going to get on... This isn't like an atonement thing. This is just... We're going to mess each other. We're going to rub each other the wrong way from time to time but if we have this deep sense of love where where I'm ready to accept you for who you are and all the stuff you bring to the family then you can accept me for all the stuff I'm going to bring to the family because we're all going to bring stuff keep loving each other deeply earnestly third show hospitality to one another without grumbling now remember what the context of all this is Jesus is coming again have somebody over for lunch. What? <laughs> like Peter, like like Jesus is coming again. Things are getting bad. Yeah, just have somebody over for lunch. How is that supposed to help? Why does and why does Peter have to include the qualifier? Show hospitality without grumbling. You know, I've been hearing recently that, um, you know, before the whole pandemic thing, if you invited people over to your house and they had to cancel, you were disappointed. Now, most people, you invite people over and they have to cancel and you're relieved. And this is actually a trauma response. Our culture has been through something traumatic. And the trauma response is, I'm just going to shell up and hide away. And so we got to kind of fight that. we got to push through that. That's why we're going to eat together today. <laughs> so why does P- Peter include this, show hospitality to one another without grumbling? Why the qualifier? Isn't it enough that I just have people over and feed them? Come on. Here's the thing. It can't be out of duty. Don't do it if it's out of duty. Remember, love, uh, love one another earnestly. That's the big thing. That's the number one. This is secondary, but love for one another that sacrifices for the good of the other. That's the foundation. Hospitality isn't just having someone over for lunch once in a while. Hospitality is opening your heart and your home to allow others in, to join you in your life with whoever they are and whatever they're going through as well. the Greek word here is a bit of a compound word. The first one is phileo, brotherly love, and the other one is is a form of loving others. It's another form of loving. And so this is, you know, this is the unscripted community. This is what it's all about. We become people who agape love each other to the cost of ourselves so that others are blessed, and we phileo, we love them like family, and we open our hearts and our homes so that others find a place of welcome and belonging. And I know we've all got a lot of You know, I know our family, we've got a lot of work to do on this one. We're not good at it. But this is what we're called to. Because Jesus is coming again, because the end of all things is near. Again, this is 2,000 years ago, so how much closer are we? Love one another deeply. Show hospitality without grumbling. Again, duty is the enemy of love. And if you're just going to have people over and or serve on Sunday school or brigade or Awana because you feel you have to, you might want to consider instead taking a break and going through freedom session first. Get free. Love Jesus deeply first, and then you'll be able to love others. Because if it's not out of love for Jesus and people that he's bringing into our lives, even if they smell funny, we've got to check ourselves. You know, at the the end of John's gospel, Jesus and Peter are having a conversation after breakfast, and Jesus has one question for Peter, and it's, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. And three times he asks this question, and so out of that, here's a simple thing to think about. Serving others is a result of loving Jesus. That has to be its source. Do you love me? Then feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And remember, sometimes sheep are ornery and they don't want to do what you want them to do, and maybe they'll bite. Feed my sheep, take care of my flock. Do this because you love me. So don't freak out, keep calm, keep clear headed, and be in prayer. We're called to pray, we're called to love one another deeply earnestly we're called to show hospitality to one another without grumbling just because we love being with people and fourth you've been gifted therefore serve one another keep on serving one another and he doesn't give us a list of gifts I don't think any of them are exhaustive the the the, the Holy Spirit of God gifts every believer to serve God's purposes and to serve the church he gives us two broad categories here speaking and, and serving, but it's the same emphasis, the same core. God has gifted you for his purposes, so live and speak and serve in reverence. And the speaking doesn't mean speaking on a stage on a Sunday morning, that and that's it. It means whenever you talk, every conversation that you have between here and next Sunday, speak as if you're speaking for God. And anywhere that you serve, whether it's in the church or in the community, at your home, do it with the power God provides. So in whatever you say and whatever you do, you do it all for the glory of God. Paul talks about that somewhere else. God's gifted you. He's called you to himself. So live and speak and serve in reverence and take it as a responsibility. That it's that important. And in all that you say or do, the glory of God is primary. We are not called to love and to show hospitality and to serve and to pray so that gospel chapel can be a good or great church. That's a side benefit. We are called to love and to show hospitality and to serve one another for a very simple reason. End of verse 11. In order that, in order that, this is the result. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's the goal. That's the outcome. We're called to love, to show hospitality, and serve one another so that God would be glorified through Jesus Christ. Period. That's the goal. At the end of the day, whatever we do, whatever we accomplish, should be completely completely inexplicable apart from the presence and the power of God. The result of our ministry should be that Jesus is known, Jesus is loved, and treasured above anything else in life. Because the end of all things is at hand, this is what we're called to do. So, so I know because we've been through a lot in the last number of years, and, and I mean, you can go back generations when... People thought life couldn't get any harder. It couldn't get much worse. Jesus has to come back soon. We're not called to, you know, freak out. Here's what we're called to do. Pray. We're called to love. We're called to hospitality. And we're called to serve. So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the clarity of your word and that it gives us a place to stand in a world that is always shifting and changing. That when we build our lives on you, we build our lives on the rock. All other ground is sinking sand. And so, Lord, whatever is going on in our world, help us to come back to this simple reality that we are called to pray. We are called to love. We are called to be hospitable, and we are called to serve. And first of all, that's within the family of God. And then you call us to live that out in everyday life. And so Lord, thank you for this church family as we live, and we pray together, and we love one another, and we share meals together and we just share our lives with one another and as we serve one another may people see not gospel chapel but God glorified may people not just come to a building to go through a program but may they meet the person of Jesus Christ and may you be glorified in all that we say and all that we do because that's all that matters. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand for the benediction. And then I'll pray for lunch and a few directions there. Colossians chapter 3, 12 to 17, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Lord, we thank you for this morning together. And Lord, that as we go to eat together now, may you just fill our hearts with joy as we connect with one another. Bless this food that we're about to receive. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you that we live in a land of abundance. Lord, we pray that you would uh, just be present in our conversation uh, as we sit around table together and eat together. Lord, thank you for this morning. Go with us in this week. And Lord, as we look forward to what you're going to do, Lord, may you surprise us With an outpouring of your grace, may you work in us that which is according to your purpose. And may we see people come to know Jesus and to love Jesus more and more. For it is in his name we pray and for his glory. Amen.